You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at both Locked On WBB and, of course, at Summit Hoops, two T's in honor of Pat, where you can get our 24-7 coverage of the women's game. Make sure you download our app as well so that you can get updates and news alerts as they happen. Uh, And somebody who's been uh, causing quite a few of those news alerts uh, this year and uh, over the past few years uh, as well is joining us this morning. Uh, It's the head coach of University of Oregon women's basketball team, Kelly Graves. Kelly, thank you for uh, taking the time. I I understand it is earlier where you are than it is here on the East Coast. (laughs) Yeah, but that's okay. I'm, I'm glad to be here, Howard. I appreciate you asking me. Listen, it, it makes sense that you're up early for whatever what you've been able to pack into your days and months and years, really, when you look at this team. And so I, I just want to start with the overview because you and I have had this conversation uh, a couple of times already. I, I was struck after the season you had last year, making it to the Elite Eight and uh, really dismantling uh, a University of Maryland team that I thought had a chance to win it all, quite frankly, that you guys were outside the top 10. Uh, you, you, it's no longer true. And that's in part because of the season you've had so far. But I do wonder whether you think that the way you're currently perceived outside the program reflects where you think the program is uh, right now. Well, I don't know exactly where we're perceived to be. Uh, you know, from everybody, I mean, I know where we're ranked and where we've been ranked, uh, you know, all year. Um, certainly that, uh, you know, that run last year, it put us on the map. I think everybody remembers that, uh, you know, there always seems to be that one team each year that, uh, that, that makes an unexpected run. Um, I think ours was unique because we were so young. I think the nation's youngest team and we were starting three freshmen and our first couple of kids off the bench were freshmen. And, uh, you know, so we kind of, uh, you know, everybody, uh, everybody, uh, you know, stood up and took notice, but, uh, and you know, and that propelled us to, to where we're at now. Um, I, I think uh, this year, quite frankly, Howard uh, has gone even better than than I had anticipated. And uh, and I think a lot of that does come from you know last year's run. It just gave us the confidence that uh, our kids needed. It, it also uh, gave them a lot of motivation in the off season to work even harder. But uh, yeah, I don't uh, you know I, I don't know what the perception is out there. Maybe they. Most people just figure, well, that's an ugly coach, so he's doing something right, though. But, um, but anyway, I, I, you know, this is it's been a fun ride so far this year. Well, I mean, one of the big changes that we've seen from last year to this year, and I, I thought you guys obviously came into your own. And you know, it's one thing to have a run, but it's like you said, you know, to have such a young team that uh, succeeded the way you did. Well, a lot of it came defensively. I, I remember having a chat with you during the NCAA tournament run where you talked about the fact that the numbers really didn't reflect where you'd uh, progressed to defensively as a team because a lot of it came from your early season struggles at that end. Well, that's clearly no longer the case when you look at the overall numbers this year. You guys went from essentially bottom third in the country defensively, depending on sort of how you measure it, uh, to one of the top 75 right now, and really in many measures, top 25 defensive teams efficiency-wise in the country. 
has that just been a continuation uh, of the progression? And how, how do you get from here to there so quickly and much effectively a calendar year? Well, I think part of it is just, yeah, it is a natural progression. I think, uh, you know, defense is the one thing that I, I've always felt is culture-based, mm-hmm. and, and it takes a while. And we had just so many young kids that, uh, you know, and, and, and we were still, there was kind of that Paul Westhead hangover effect here mm-hmm. where they were giving up over 90 a game. And, and it has taken us a while to just kind of establish that, uh, you know, our defensive culture. And, uh, you know, so in how often do you see teams with, you know, with, uh, with mostly freshmen and sophomores that are great defensive teams? You, you just don't see that. And, uh, and so we've gotten better. Plus, you know, it's been an emphasis of ours. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, when we work with our team, talk with our team, you know, we want to be an elite team. We want to be one of the nation's best. And I think we, we're on our way there, certainly. And to do that, we said, well, listen, we're just not going to be able to outscore everybody. We're going to have to get better at the defensive end. So it was a conscious, uh, you know, decision, effort by everybody to, uh, to, to, to get better at that end. Um, you know, also, you know, it takes strength and toughness and things like that. And that you develop through being in a, in a program for a while. So. Um, you know, we, we are making progress. I still think it's our weakness. Uh, it's great to hear those numbers. And I, I do, uh, I like those efficiency numbers that, uh, you know, that, that, that you're into. I think it, it's relevant in basketball like it has been in baseball and, and other sports. But, uh, um, you know, we're, we, we still got a ways to go. We're inconsistent in that area. Some games we really, you know, um, are focused and are on point defensively, and then we've, we've slipped at other times. So still work in progress. Is is the way forward on that, because, you know, obviously you guys have a size advantage over most uh, teams you play, not, not just in terms of uh, the relative height, but also just the number of bids that you can throw at a defensive possession. I, I mean, that's that's been the biggest jump, as you've seen a huge defensive rebounding percentage uh, jump over last year. Is that just, like you said, you, it, it's culture buy-in, but it's also because you have uh, that raw manpower to go into the situation that that combination is going to allow you to be a lead on the defensive boards and just end possessions that way? Yeah, well, it, it's helped, but it can also hurt you. I mean, so many teams now are so you know, go small. I, I, I look at uh, Mississippi State when we played them. I mean, they're playing Vivian's at the four, right. and she's hanging around the perimeter, and so it's tough sometimes to play our two bigs together um, because one of them's going to have to, you know, Ruthie Hebert's going to have to chase uh, Vivian's out along the three-point line. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then secondly, a lot of long shots. You know, teams are shooting more threes now. Well, long shots equal long rebounds, and and sometimes that negates the size, but uh, but the size does allow us to zone a little bit more, and and then you know we at least have rebounders around the the arc inside the inside arc, and and uh, and we can do well there. But um, yeah, again, the rebounding has been a focus. You know, we we chart the efficiency, um, we chart walkouts, we we chart a couple of players each and every day during our anything four-on-four and five-on-five, and and a couple of our managers will chart 
uh, rebound efficiency. You know, are they blocking out? Are they going to the boards offensively if, if they're at the three, four, and five positions? Are they sprinting to the to the center circle if they're the the safety? So, and then they the kids don't know who we're charting that day. And at the end of practice, we you know we talk about who we charted and what their numbers were. And there's a consequence if they don't reach a certain goal. So, um, you know, yeah, it's definitely an area that we're we're focusing on and it's nice to hear that those numbers are rising like they are and to be fair i don't think anyone's figured out how to stop this version of tiara mccowan yet so that's you guys well, are we far, certainly far from didn't. <laughs> we we gave her a career night in every way that night that was uh, poor coaching on my part i never did figure it out i i i'm not sure there is an answer to that but it'll be interesting to see to be sure <laughs> so the other area that there's been a big jump for you guys this year just team-wide and before we get into some of the specifics you talked about with ruthie uh but it really is across the board and that's your efficiency from two-point uh shooting so you're basically matching what you did last year you're 39.3 percent from three uh, which is just an absurd number in 10th in the country. You were 39.2% from three last year. Of course, 42% led uh, the country in three-point shooting in 2015-2016. But the big jump is from 47% from two last year, where you ranked 71st in the country, to 57%, where you're second in the country. You could argue that uh, your efficiency from two-point percentage has become even more of a strength than from three. And, and it comes from Ruthie. It comes from also, uh, let's say, a, a, a less likely uh, person to provide it in Lexi Bando, who's gone from around 40% to 60% from two. What is it that has allowed the finishing to get so much better and for it to be team-wide, you know, from your uh, significant perimeter threat uh, in Lexi, as well as, uh, you know, someone who is much more postbound in Ruthie? Well, I think it, generally it's we're more patient this year. Our kids are are better. You know, they're older. They're they're wiser. We're getting the ball to the second and third, and sometimes even fourth side of the floor more. Mm-hmm. Our possessions are longer, and and uh, we're a little more selective. I think that just comes from, uh, you know, from maturity. Uh, in Lexi's case specifically, uh, I think she has continued to get better at. You know, teams can take her out. In fact, the other day against Arizona State, we played here. She got one shot, and it was a mid-range shot, but that's it. I mean, teams really lock in on her. I, I Just by having her on the floor, I think it helps us, even if she doesn't get shots, because that really – she stretches the defense so much uh, that we've got a lot of floor to play four-on-four four with, if, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But she has – She's gotten better at, at figuring out when she's, she's got to drive uh, just to keep teams honest. And, um, and, yeah, she's just doing a better job. I don't, there's nothing magical. I think she's, she's trying to diversify her game so that she's not just a spot-up three-point shooter. In Ruthie's case, the kid just makes baskets. I mean, Howard, this last weekend against the Arizona schools, she missed one field goal. <laughs> That's it. You know, she goes nine for nine against Arizona State, one of the best defensive teams in the country. And uh, she, uh, part of it is she's got two elite guards in Sabrina Ionescu and Maite Cazorla mm-hmm. who deliver her the ball in what Debbie Antonelli would cost, call the three W's of good point guard play. You know, gets it to who she wants, where they want it, and when they need it. So, um, you know, she's able to just kind of make the easy play. Um but uh, yeah, she just she's she's a phenomenal 
talent, there's no question, and still getting better. She's just scratching the surface. And, and, and I want to touch on uh, essentially your two-point guard sets and uh, the way that works for you offensively. But before we do, let's not gloss over sort of where Ruthie is. It's, you know, you see her, her range is uh, a little further out than it was last year, but just generally speaking, it seems like she's more sculpted than she was even last year and, uh, you know, and, and seems stronger as well. Uh, there was never an issue of wasted motion. She was fundamentally, it seems, so sound even as a freshman and that stood out. It, is it just a question of maturity body developing or do you think she's also making better decisions? Uh, all of the above. I mean, she is, uh, I think, you, and you, you nailed it on her body. She's, there's no doubt she's stronger. She's leaner. Uh, she's in better shape, um, you know, which happens after you've, you've gone through and you've, you've played one year. Um, but she, I think what set her apart is her confidence level. Uh, you know, having played now for the second straight year for USA basketball, was a team captain on that U19 team this summer. She just came back a lot more confident in her, uh, you know, because for years she, you know, she's from Alaska and just dominated up there. Was never really pushed, and uh, so now she, as she's getting pushed, that that learning curve is just and, and her uh, improvement is just skyrocketing. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's a lot of different factors for her, and 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 plus, you know, we've we, we've well, not not necessarily added great players, but there's more. You know, we can put five players on the court, Howard, that you've got to guard. You know, Satu Sabali's come in from, from Germany as a freshman. You've got to guard her. So it gives Ruthie – and we're not going as often with the double bigs playing through the high posts. We're spreading it out a little bit more, too, with four uh, perimeter players. And it gives Ruthie a, a lot of freedom inside to just go one-on-one. -on -one. And, um, you know, she's making the most of it. And so to that end, when we're talking about Maite and Sabrina – on the court at the same time uh, in a way that I think even a few years ago would have been uh, extremely uncommon, but certainly at this point is it seems the direction that the game is going. Do you find that that is ultimately a primary reason why situations where, like you said, there's four and four in a lot of court because uh, let's see a stretch in the defense, but really across the board, uh, you have players who are capable of doing that, that you're able to maximize your advantages by having effectively these two-point guard sets as often as you have this year? Um, well, yeah, that's a loaded question there. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Sabrina is really not a natural point guard. Maite is our point guard hmm. uh, when they're on the floor together. She's the one bringing the ball up. Uh, she's the one that's getting us into our offense. Of course, when there's substitution, things like that, Sabrina does run some point. But it's really not her natural position. She's just so good that when she does get the ball in our offense and she's, you know, so creative and, and uh, you know, great at angles and that kind of stuff in the open court, I think Sabrina's better than Maite because she pushes it a little more. She she keeps it and she probes a little more. Um, but... But the reality is she's not nearly as good as, as Maite in getting us into our sets. Mm -hmm. And uh, and she's not, and she's still learning the pick and roll. I mean, Maite is as good a point guard, and I coached one of the best in Courtney Vandersloot. That's for sure. Uh, Maite is, is pretty much her equal in, in ball screen action. She's phenomenal. She's got a, a different rhythm about her. But, uh, you know, so they're a great complement to each other. 
um, you know, anytime there's foul trouble or uh, an injury or anything like that, it's nice to know you've got somebody else that can, you know, just uh, carry the load at the point position. But which boy, is vital in March too. Each other well. Yeah. What's you, that? Which is vital in March too, obviously, to be able to. No doubt. You, you, you and during our run last year, people forget Micah had some big time games. Mm-hmm. I mean, against Maryland, I think she ended up with seventeen, and yeah. against Duke, she was fifteen or sixteen. I mean, she she came up big in some big moments. No question, and and, and to have that flexibility obviously makes a big difference, especially in the conference that you're in, where there are so many perimeter talents and so many teams where you have to necessarily match up. Uh, effectively and, and a lot of times just make sure you're at your efficient best uh, to be able to outscore people and I, I guess to that end when you think about the joint goals of the Pac-12 I, I saw a stat and you know I'm sorry to bring it up but the Civil War which is coming up this weekend sure that Oregon State has apparently won 13 in a row is that is is that accurate uh, I think it is. Yeah, I, I haven't beaten them. I don't know how many was before that, but we're we're zero and six against them. Well, I know so, that since I've been here. So my question for you is this: You know, you're standing six and zero in the conference. You think big picture about things like Final Fours and national titles, and yeah, you know, it's part of what, I, as you've told me in the past, you know, brings you to Oregon. It was an opportunity to do all of that. How do you balance those two? in your mind and how significant is it where you know look you have this in-state rivalry you have alums who i'm sure this is very important to uh you know what is that like for you as you think about motivation and for your team as well well i mean you know and this is cliche i mean it is a big game there's no question about it uh you know this week and we actually play them twice in the same week that's right. how they do it in the pac-12 um you know, it is another game. I mean, we have a chance to separate ourselves even more from, from Oregon State. They've won the last three Pac-12 championships. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, my first three years here, I mean, they've been better than us. It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, we, we I mean, they've just been better, clearly, than, than us. And we played them close last year. Both games went came down to the last possession. Mm-hmm. But um, I think now we're better than them. I, I, I truly do. It doesn't mean we're going to win the games, but you know we're in a better position certainly uh yeah i know it's a big game for the alums and all that kind of stuff but for us it's a it's another chance to really kind of um separate ourselves from from the competition if we can somehow win on friday night now oregon state will have three losses and uh you know and that's it puts us in a great position so uh, I don't think our kids know what the, the, the losing streak is. It shouldn't matter because this is the first time this team has played them. Right. And that's how we're, we're trying to go about it. And, and, and you sweep them this weekend, of course, and you take a commanding lead uh, going into the final stretch of Pac-12 Pac play. So it, it, it will be an interesting set of games to watch. And yeah, Oregon State, again, you, you know, with the losses they've had to come back uh, as strong as they have, uh, year after year has uh, certainly been interesting. Do you do you think that having not just a Pac-12 rival but one in-state like that pushes both programs and is helpful to both programs? Oh, absolutely. And and it's not going to end. I mean, look, we have a great recruiting class coming in, plus Aaron Boley as a transfer, mm-hmm. who was the National Gatorade Player of the Year, and they have Destiny Slocum sitting out yeah. this year, so and a, and a really good class coming in. So it's not going to end, and I think it it does. It helps both programs. Plus, 
when teams in our conference come up here and play, they can't focus on one or the other because we're both good. Right. <laughs> and and uh, and this can be a tough trip for teams when they uh, you know when they make the Northwest swing here. So. Um, yeah, I, I think it's great. I think Scott does an amazing job. There, there's no question he's one of the best uh, coaches, certainly in the Pac-12, but, but maybe anywhere. Yeah. He just does such a good job with his, his group year in and year out. And Bowley is such a U player. I can't wait to see her in that system next year. We'll, we'll, oh, uh, no question. Yeah. It, it'll, it'll be fascinating. Well, so before I let you go, I just am curious, bigger picture, when you think about where the program is, where it's going, whether your goals and the timeline for those goals, number one, changed by virtue of uh, what I think many people would say was an unexpected run to the Elite Eight, you know, with such a young team and a team that had been inconsistent over the course of the year, and what your team internally is looking at as realistic and expectation level goals for this season. Well, you know, it's funny. We, we don't really set goals in terms of, hey, we want to go to the Final Four. We want to win a national championship. We want to win a Pac-12 championship. We, we haven't talked about – well, I shouldn't say we haven't talked about them, but we, we don't put those as, as goals that we're trying to reach. What we have always our, – our philosophy has always been we want to be better today than we were yesterday. We want to be better tomorrow than we were today. We just want to continue to improve and improve and improve. And then on top of that, we'll say – we are good enough. We have the talent. We have the chemistry. We have the, the pieces here to win a Pac-12 championship, to go to a Final Four, to compete for a national championship. But let's not make those our, you know, th- that one shiny or that one goal that we're trying to reach. But would it, and, would it be uh, fair to say that it wouldn't surprise you to reach a Final Four this year in a way that it seemed like the, the level of success you had in the NCAA tournament last year came a little sooner than you expected. Well, I think it's all come a little sooner than we expected. I mean, we still are the youngest team in the top 25. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but you know, look at last year, we, were, we weren't nearly as good as we are now, and we were one game away. Right. Dang Gino. <laughs> he showed us, but he also showed us how far. I'm glad we played them, quite frankly, because he showed us the level of um, excellence that it takes to get there, and that's who we're chasing. They're the standard, which we're all by which we're all judged. I know they didn't win it all last year, but that's still the standard that we're chasing. And uh, and so I'm glad that's you know if it had to end, I'm glad it was against them. And and uh, so yeah, there's no there's no reason not to believe. You know, we we played at Mississippi State, and you know. We lost by 11, but, you know, we scored 80 points on them. We mm-hmm. we just weren't very good defensively. But that's a team we can play with. They're definitely a national championship contender. We played at Louisville uh, on, in a very tough week under weird circumstances and, and were able to at least play with them. So, those are, you know, those two teams are combined 38-0, nice. and those are our only two losses, and we played them both on the road. And uh, so there there's no, you know, there's no reason to believe that that we can't be a, a factor come come April. Well, that, I, I, mean, I, I truly believe that. But that's not our goal. We're not. That's not the, the carrot that's dangling out there. That's not the prize that we're we're chasing. We just want to continue to improve and improve and improve and improve, and uh, 
and then I, I, yes, I believe we're good enough. Well, when the only two teams that have beaten you haven't uh, haven't lost to anybody, and uh, those names <laughs> are on the road, that's a pretty strong season to be sure. And just fascinating to watch the way the program is growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, Kelly Graves, just just a pleasure to see what you're building, and always enjoy chatting with you any chance I get. So thank you for your time. Well. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I really appreciate what you're doing with the analytics. I just think that's so fascinating. And, and I know it's become a bigger part of our game. No question about it. And, and, and you guys are displaying those stats uh, every time you go out on the court. So it uh, makes it an interesting conversation to be sure. Uh, so thank you for your time. And again, to our listeners, thank you as always. A uh, reminder that you can rate and review us on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe uh, to the Lockdown Women's Basketball Podcast. I'm Howard Megdahl, wishing you a wonderful day.